that as believers that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the scriptures, the New Testament, likens our Christian's life as a race. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Chapter 9, verse 15. We do read, But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. Verse 18, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Now, if you've been with us on Sunday morning, you might recall that when we're in chapter 6, that the apostle wrote that all things are lawful for me. And in that statement that Paul makes, it's just a wonderful declaration of our freedom in Christ, that is, the liberty that we have in Christ. And last week, as we studied chapter 8 and moved into chapter 9, we saw that Paul the Apostle was answering another question that the Corinthian believers had concerning their Christian lives. And so in this letter, we see Paul's answering different questions that they have presented to Paul. And in chapter 8, he answers the questions concerning meat that had been offered to idols. And you see, that issue had caused a lot of controversy and hard feelings and, and uh, confusion within the Christians there at Corinth. And the reason was, was because it wasn't an issue of diet, this meat offered to idols, but it was an issue of our liberty in Christ. You see, what was taking place was, in the city of Corinth, we have discussed that that city was marked by idolatry and immorality. And the Greeks and the Romans would worship many idols and many deities and many gods. And Paul writes about that in chapter 8. And so, as we see that as it was a mark of the city, a characteristic of the people of Corinth, that there would be different temples that would be all throughout the city of Corinth that would be dedicated to a certain false god, a certain pagan idol that they would worship. And the people involved in idolatry, what they would do is that they would go to that temple and they would present a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was divided into three parts, that animal. One part was given to the, to the burnt on the altar as a dedication and as an act of worship to that, that idol. Another part was given to the priest, another part given to the worshiper. Well, the priest, he was receiving all this meat. He couldn't eat it all. So what they had at those temples was little meat markets. And as I explained to you last week, it's different than 
what we're used to in our day and in our you know, culture and our society in this nation. We want to go to the store and get meat. We just go to King Supers or we go to Safeway or one of the many markets that are here in the area. It wasn't that way back in ancient times. You would have to go to the, the marketplace if you didn't butcher your own animal. And you would buy meat there in the middle of town. And usually that meat was very expensive. But they had another option there in Corinth, and that was because of all the pagan temples that were there and this meat that was uh, there being offered before the idols, they had little meat markets that were there. And so the Christians wanted uh, to get a bargain, just like any of us, could go to that temple there. And they even had a little restaurants there in chapter 8, verse 10. Paul speaks about what if somebody sees you at that temple eating that meat that had been offered to idols? So apparently they had a little restaurants that were there. You can go in and order some meat, hamburgers or ribs or whatever it may have been. And so you could sit and, and have a dinner there. And Paul's discussing that. Or you could buy that meat at a cheaper price, bring it home, and you could eat it. And Paul is explaining something that's very important for us to understand as Christians when it comes to our Christian liberty. And he is explaining this principle in chapters 8, 9, and 10. And in chapter 8, Paul began to, to say, listen, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And as we travel through chapter 8, we saw that Paul made the point that you may have the knowledge that that idol is nothing, that the idols are nothing, that the meat that's been offered to that idol is not contaminated. There is only one true God, and that is, the, you know, the, the creator of everything, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And in taking that meat, you may be able to take it home, and you may be able to eat it. You may be able to sit in that restaurant and eat it. That meat offered to an idol doesn't bother you. But here's the thing. Many people in Corinth, and, and these are young Christians here, remember that at the time that Paul is writing this letter, this church is only a, a few years old, maybe five, six years old, and so the Christians are young in the Lord, and they're learning of the things of God, and many of them had come out of that paganism, that idol worship, and so it was a real stumbling block for them, a real uh, confusion, and, and it would uh, be something that they were offended by. If you had another brother or sister over for dinner after church, and you set them down some hamburgers or whatever it may be, and they said, where'd you get this meat? Oh, we got it down at the pagan idol, uh, you know, temple. Uh, and so they would say, well, I can't eat this meat. So that's where the confusion was coming in. So many coming out of that idol worship and, and idolatry, they were stumbled by that. They could not see how a Christian could eat meat that was offered to idols. So that's what Paul is writing about. So out of love and out of sensitivity for the weaker brother and sister, you don't want to stumble them. And so when it comes to our Christian liberty, I think where a lot of Christians miss it is in this. In what I can do, in what I can watch, in what activities I can be involved in. The liberty that we have is not to stumble the weaker brother or sister. And so Paul concluded chapter 8 by saying, If food makes my brother to stumble, then I won't eat meat. And then as we looked at the first 14 verses of chapter 9, Paul uses himself, himself as an example that he had the right to be supported in his ministry as an apostle traveling, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he was willing to forfeit that right 
for the good of the gospel, that it may proceed and be preached and given without any hindrance. And so he was making a point, as we saw, and is going to continue to, that, that if he was willing to give up that right for the good of the gospel, for the furtherance of the gospel, shouldn't you Christians there in Corinth give up that right to eat meat that's been offered to an idol for the sake of the weaker brother or sister? Now remember that Paul, when he was in Corinth on that second missionary journey, he was there for a year and a half, according to Acts chapter 18. That was a long time for Paul to stay in one city. The, the ministry was very successful in that, that the church grew very quickly. There were a lot of Christians that came and got saved. Many were getting saved. We know that from the book of Acts. But yet Paul chose to forfeit being supported, and he continued to make tents. That he felt that that would serve the gospel and the people of Corinth in the best way, and he was willing to do that. So, again, he's making these principles, using himself as an example that I'm willing to give up this right to be supported. You should be willing to give up the right to eat meat that has been offered to idols for the furtherance of the gospel. And so now Paul's going to continue here as we pick up our text at verse 15. We read once again, But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting voice. So Paul has been making this case in this chapter. I have every right to be supported, but I'm not exercising it. I would rather die. Now, why would Paul say that? Because in saying this, he's really revealing his heart. The priority of my life is what he is explaining. And being a minister of the gospel is not what I can get. It's what I can give. And that is the truth of the gospel. The cross, Jesus and him crucified. And unfortunately in Paul's day, just as it is in our day, there were ministers and there are ministers today and pastors and evangelists. They abuse that right to be supported. There are ministers that are constantly seeking gimmicks, and methods and ways of extracting more and more from the people that they're ministering to. I remember I'll, I'll, I was just floored by this. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by anything in the day in which we're living. But last Christmas Day, I was watching the news, and one of the major news networks was showing a, a church, a mega church in New York, that thousands had come to the Christmas Eve service. And what it was was like a game show. They were giving away all these prizes, and they were even going to give away a new car, and they would pull somebody's name out of whatever they were using, and come on down, and, and people were all excited, and, and it was this big show and this big production, and I thought, how sad on Christmas Eve. And then the pastor said, well, there were some spiritual lessons that were important that we learned about as well, and, and I thought, unbelievable what well, churches will do. You see, I get mailings all the time, weekly, and how you can raise more funds for your church, and here's how, and it includes oftentimes methods and gimmicks, and, and hear my heart on this, because I know that ministries, good ministries that are doing a good work for the gospel and for the kingdom of God and churches, they do need funds. They depend on those funds, so there's nothing wrong with with getting support, as Paul has made that case. There's nothing wrong with taking offerings. There's nothing wrong with fundraisers. But there are some that that's all they focus on. That's what their priority is. That's all they do is put the pressure on the people to give for their gain. And Paul wasn't about that. There were times where he had received support, and we see that he gave thanks to the Philippian believers 
for their support of him. And in the book of Philippians, he says that, that the fruit that comes from my ministry, because you supported me, is going to be given to your account when you get to heaven. There's going to be rewards for you giving. So there is blessing and rewards for giving for you know, the furtherance of the gospel and for the kingdom of God. But there are those, and we see it consistently, don't we, on Christian TV, that that's all they're about. And they bring a false doctrine, a prosperity gospel, and they talk about the seed faith all the time. And if you just do this, then you're going to be a millionaire. You're going to get the houses and the boats and the cars and all of this. And the focus is on the material rather than on the spiritual things of God. So Paul is making sure that they understand that we are not preaching for money motive. And he continues in verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Paul did not want to abuse his authority. He was willingly doing the ministry out of his love for the Lord and a love for people. And it was a joy for Paul to do this ministry of, of being an apostle and presenting the gospel, even though it was very difficult. And he did it even if it meant working to support himself. He was called by God to preach the gospel. And he says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Because he was called to do it, he was compelled to do it. He did it willingly. Peter writes the same thing concerning shepherds and overseers in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, don't do it out of compulsion, but do it willingly. Do it freely. And isn't it wonderful when God puts a calling on your life, when he puts something on your heart that he desires for you to do, that it just burns in your heart. Many of you have felt that, haven't you? And I, I've, I want to do this. I want to do it for the Lord. I want to serve Him. I want to be faithful, even if it costs me personally. And, and we're compelled to do it. We're, we're free to do that and willing to do that. And so that's what he's saying. He did his ministry willingly. It's been entrusted with a stewardship, and it was a great joy for Paul to give the gospel. It was Jesus that said to us, freely you have received, freely you shall give. And I pray that we would be ones, individuals, that we would give of ourselves, that we would give of our times, that we would give of our resources for the furtherance of the gospel, for the Lord, and how he has that, whatever it might mean for you personally, but also that we as a ministry here at Calvary Chapel, that we would be a ministry just as we have freely received, that we would freely give, that we would continue to give to others for the furtherance of the gospel. Even in a little while, our ministry radio program is going to go and be you know, played throughout Greeley. And I run into people constantly all the time they say, hey, we listen to you on the radio. And we hear you on the radio. We really enjoy it. That radio program, we don't beg for money. Spend 10 minutes of it doing that. It is 27 minutes of Bible teaching with a little intro and a little exit about the church where we're located in service times. But we give that freely to the people who desire to listen to that. We give away Bibles, we give away our teaching CDs. We've never charged for that in 14 years. And thousands and thousands of CDs, tapes, and when we used to do tapes, have gone 
out to give to people for the furtherance of the gospel. We give Bibles away. I don't charge for doing counseling. When people need counseling, I'm willing to do that because our counsel is from the Bible. And God's word is free, to be given freely to people. So we want to be able to continue to give for the furtherance of the gospel and not stumble people by just desiring to do it so we can have bigger and better and money motive and all of this. So the apostle, he sacrificed much and gave up his right to be supported by the Corinthians to ensure that the message of the gospel would not be polluted by greediness or selfishness. In my position in Christ and our liberty in Christ, we have a responsibility and a privilege to build up the saints, brothers and sisters in Christ, to share the gospel, to give hope to those who are lost. And do we realize that sometimes that does require personal sacrifice? I don't want to be a stumbling to anyone. And Lord, help me not to stumble anyone in how I live and how I do my ministry. I want to be one that encourages others. And I want to be an example to them. I want them to see the reality of Jesus Christ in my life and how I live my life and the joy that is there. And and for them to see what a wonderful privilege it is to be a Christian and to be saved. And for them to say, wow, you are different. The joy, the peace, the excitement that you have for life. You seem to have real purpose. And I want people to see that. I know you do as well. He continues on, verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Verse 22, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partakers of it with you. So I become a servant to all men. Uh, To the weak I become as weak, he says. He's saying, I want to help others to know and experience Christ. Now Paul was sensitive to people. He didn't put himself above people he didn't preach down to them he didn't come with an attitude i'm the great apostle to the gentiles but he was sensitive in a wise and discerning way and the reason that i mentioned that is because we need to understand what paul is not saying he is not saying this that i become all things to all men and that he's suggesting that we are to live and in doing that in a compromising way or inconsistent life or that we can be involved in sin so we can relate and be relevant to others. Those are terms that are used today in the church by Christians and by ministers. Oh, I want to be relevant, and it's a big thing to be relevant today. No, just give the truth of what God's Word has to say. And so there are some that will compromise in doing that. I remember years ago when I first got into ministry, there was a pastor when I was down in Colorado Springs, that got in big trouble and because he thought and took this verse, I become all things, you know, to, to those who are weak. To the weak I become as weak, that I may win the weak. I become all things to all men, and I become a servant to all men. He used these verses to, to take and be with the young people, the youth group, and smoke dope with them. And, and so that's what he was doing, smoking marijuana with them. And, you know, hey, this is cool, and I can relate to them. Well, he got in big trouble over that. 
There are pastors today in a kind of a new movement in the church today. And it, kind of the cool thing is to be the cussing pastor that cusses over the pulpit so you can relate to people. And they can say, well, you know, we're just like you and stuff. And Paul's not saying that, okay? He's saying, I'm being a servant to all men, being sensitive to where people are at to win them to Christ. And that takes real discernment and wisdom and, and, and flexibility. When you talk to that person at work and when you speak to that family member, try to gain their trust and knowing, having them to understand that, you know what, I care about you, and I care about you enough to give you the truth of the gospel. Not in a way that it compromises the gospel, compromises in living for the gospel. Paul here wasn't going to offend or stumble the Jew or the Greek and those who are weak in understanding. But here's what we need to understand as we look at these verses here. You see, if I give God's word, and that's what I am to do, give God's word faithfully to others. And if I desire to live in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to God, which he has called me to do, if others are offended by that, then they need to take that up with God, don't they? But I don't want to be prideful. I don't want my behavior or conduct to stumble anyone. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to talk down to others because I've been a pastor for 18 years and I've studied the Bible. We need to be sensitive and wise and tender-hearted and compassionate towards others to see where they're at and, and to, to show them that we care, but not to compromise. And so Paul, he didn't change the message of the gospel. He didn't enter into sin to do that. And then verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now remember, the Corinthians, they felt free, those, to eat meat offered to idols. This is the knowledge that we have. We're wise and we're spiritual and, and it doesn't matter with the weaker brother or sister in the Lord. And so they would boast in that knowledge. We've talked about that. They really prided themselves in having knowledge and wisdom. And that was the basis of their liberty to eat meat, offer to idols before the weaker brother or sister. And so Paul here, as he's talking to them here, understand it, as he uses these words, it must have stung some of them that were really prided in their wisdom and knowledge. He says in verse 24, again, taking a look at that, he says, don't you know? Don't you know? Chapter 10, when we get there next week, he's going to say, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren. In other words, here's what the apostle is saying to these Corinthians that pride it so much in, in their wisdom and knowledge. He says, you don't know as much as you think you do. So Corinthian believers, don't get all smug and, and go, don't get prideful. There are some lessons you need to understand. There are some things that you need to learn. And he says, don't you know? Don't you know that, that all of us, we run a race? We all run a race, and we receive a prize. Now, this is really important for us to understand what is being said here. Because I think a lot of Christians don't understand this. Paul, first of all, is not talking about salvation here. He is not arguing that, that the lost has to work hard in order to reach the goal of winning their salvation. 
What does he already used those words in verses 15 through 18? He's talking about what? Rewards, isn't he? He's talking about, I receive a reward for doing the gospel willingly and freely, for joy of, of doing what God has called me to do. So he's challenging the Corinthian saints to strive and run to fulfill their calling as saints. So Paul refers to the Christian life as a race. Now, he would use this analogy in other places in the New Testament in his writings, wouldn't he? He would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right before he was put to death, he said, Timothy, my departure is at hand, and I have fought the good fight. I have what? Finished my race. I have kept the faith. Paul, when he was addressing the elders from Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 for the last time, he would say to them, I don't count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy. The author of Hebrews, which may have been Paul, we don't know for sure, but we read in chapter 12 of Hebrews that as believers that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance that race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the scriptures, the New Testament, likens our Christian's life as a race. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.